What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I'm so glad you joined us today. Leslie and I, my name is Tracy, and Leslie and I have uh, loved doing this show together for more than four years at this point, giving us an opportunity to say yes to spirit in each of our own lives, say yes to spirit together as a team producing this show, and say yes to spirit in a way that inspires others to do the same. It's really quite um, it's really quite interesting to reflect on how um, at the time we began the show, we never really considered how long we would do the show or that this could be like happening four years later. <laughs> um, it was just an idea and a commitment, and by saying yes, week after week after week. Uh, we have continued to the, do the show, and this is show number 210. So um, our theme every week, we have a theme, and our theme for today's show is suicide. And our themes really are, uh, if someone asked me once, well, how do you decide like what your theme is going to be? And uh, sometimes the themes pick us. Sometimes we sit down and list out anywhere from six to ten topics and just schedule them like two months in advance. And sometimes um, we actually do have a group of things that are running together. But what we know is that whether we plan it or not, um, there is always a golden thread that links our themes together. So, uh, and Leslie actually happens to love doing this. So, uh, when you hear the Connect the Dots theme music that is now playing in the background, you know that it is time for us to connect the dots between our most recent theme and today's theme. So, the topic last time was the breath of God and our topic today is suicide please you know the first thing that entered my mind was uh, that would be the end of the breath of God and that's just not true but the first thing I thought oh God stopped breathing if I the suicide takes away the breath of God which is categorically not what I believe but um, it is an interesting connected idea for me to think about. Um, I have I have thought a lot about suicide, not only from an individual perspective, but working with people who are suicidal and philosophically, spiritually, what that means and different belief systems. But this concept of if I am conscious of the breath of God, if I am in the light of the breath of God, would I choose suicide, would I, and I don't think we choose suicide, but would I commit suicide? Would I? Would that be an option for me? So I think that'll be a topic maybe to talk about more in a minute, but I think the connection would be, is there a connection? Is it an either or, or is the breath of God obviously continues on after physical death? So, but it's a, it's a curious ponder, it's a connecting, if, if I'm in awareness, in remembering, in connection, would I commit suicide? There's my, it's my connected dots is more a, a question or a ponder. Okay, so that's your connected dots <laughs> for this week. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be back in about a minute to talk about suicide on Say Yes to Spirit.
welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie, and our theme this week is suicide. So let's start in the easiest place with a uh, confirming a definition. Uh, the suicide as a noun is the action of killing oneself intentionally, although it's also used um, in a reference to self-destruction, whether you take your own life or not. Um, and then it's also used as a verb, that, um, which always sounds a little funny to me, but I have heard people use suicide as a verb. Same thing, intentionally, intentionally kill oneself, um, but to say someone suicides or someone suicided. We don't use that quite as frequently in common usage, but it is appropriate, it is possible to use it as a verb instead of a noun. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> this, this got onto the topics list because within less than a week, I had three different um, issues, requests for support related to suicide. Family members or coworkers who had committed suicide and someone coming to me asking for support, help, guidance as they were trying to uh, you know, they're in, in, in immediate grief, and or one of them was long-term grief. The suicide had occurred two years earlier, and they were still having challenges, or they were facing some new challenges and thinking, I should be over this by now. And, um, and it just was like, yeah, where do we go in our spiritual grounding when we either feel like suicide might be our only option or when someone very close to us commits suicide. And Did I know you notice, yeah, I ask you if you noticed a theme in terms of the people that were talking with you who had loved ones, were they were they in the phase of missing the loved one and wondering if they could have done something and, and feeling those kinds of feelings or were they in a phase of kind of being angry and how could this person do this and why didn't they reach out and how dare they leave me? Well, or all of the above. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, all literally all of the all of the above. And they had different relationships, but what I think what also happened for me in these three things coming these three people coming forward in such a short period of time um, was it also brought up for me all the people I know personally who have attempted suicide or who thought seriously about it, you know, who felt they were driven to that, to the brink and then didn't do it, or, the, you know, knowing a few people who actually attempted but were not quote-unquote successful. Um, and, you know, it's like what what is, it's like it's something we don't talk about, and we need to talk about it. Yes, without a doubt, we do need to talk about it. And for me, in my own psychology of my life, suicide has always been sort of a relieving option in a sense of strength for people to hear. But back in the day when I would be incredibly dark and really just desire death, just pray for death to come in the night and take me, I never had the courage to actually kill myself because that's just in case the Catholics were right, you know, and I was going to go to hell or just in case this idea that if I committed suicide, that was the ultimate crime in that kind of God's eye and that I would be forever punished. I, you know, I, I just wasn't certain enough of my own belief system that there is no hell to really test those waters. So that's, that's ultimately why I never actually killed myself. But, you know, it's 
it's an interesting mindset to be in where death seems like such a welcome relief. And I, I too have had several people recently kind of talking about that a lot and a couple of different sort of metaphysical people talking about it in terms of, you know, they don't have that sort of fear that the Catholics might be right. And so they're really clear that, you know, I could kill myself and my spirit goes on and it's not a problem, but they do have a sense of, you know, I, I have a contract coming in or I agreed to do some things coming in or this is kind of the experience I chose. So, you know, to see it through um, serves purpose that I won't have to see it through again kind of thing. So it's fascinating when people are in a state of emotional distress to that level what causes each one of us individually to stay in the game, so to speak? Right, to say yes or to say no to um, ending my own experience of the human life. And and it's interesting for me because now it's like I have to say all of those words instead of just ending life. You know, it's like because I, I, I do believe in the eternality and the immortality of spirit. And so it's like just because my physical experience of humanity ends, however it ends, my life does not end. My life goes on. My life continues. And so because I believe that, it's harder for me to just say, you know, oh, suicide ends my life because, it's like it doesn't, it, it, at least, you know, in the way that I believe spirituality. It, it ends this human experience in this body phase of my life. Um, Do you think you'd get in trouble if you couldn't do something? Think, think there's any kind of ramifications in a, in a negative way to the soul, to the experience that continues on? I don't think so. Um, at this, at, in my personal belief structure now, um, I don't believe so because I believe that the human experience, you know, what makes us different from other animals that have been created is that we have free will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we say it around just about everything else. You know, you have free will. You have the will to choose. And God really doesn't care what you choose or whatever you choose, God or the spiritual formlessness is like, okay, if that's going to make you happy, if that's, if that's going to fulfill what you want to fulfill, you know, because it is just all part of an extended immortality life. So I don't think you get in trouble. <laughs> and I actually have um, gotten to the point where I think it is a desperate choice. I think it's a often, I think often it's a choice that belies lack of faith, but I also... Well, that's interesting. But I also believe and have met at least one person who committed suicide, and I am absolutely sure he knew exactly what he was doing and was making a choice that was born more in faith of the eternal immortality of his life than fear. Did he have some physical disease that he was avoiding the ripple effect of? Um, well, he had he had a mental disease, mm-hmm. but he was. I, I believe he was completely sane in the time he made that choice. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the ramifications of the mental disease, of the bipolar disorder, the ups and the downs, the effect of that in trying to be, um, be productive in the world, 
and having this, horm- and, you know, bipolar, some people, because it is hormonal imbalance, will think of it as a physical disease, but it's, it, it's, it's a physical disease that has effect on the mental capacity and the way you show up. So I, I don't believe that he was, you know, way manic or way depressed when he made the decision. I think he made the decision in that place of saying, this is, you know, my life is going to continue to have these ups and downs and, you know, in the long-term immortality of my soul. I've had this experience. I've done this experience, and it's time for this experience to end. Because that's interesting, and I, I questioned myself early on about the word choice, and, and you, you saying clearly that you believe he made a choice, and it's funny because I don't, I don't sense that people that commit suicide have a choice, because I guess by by definition of choice, it seems like that I, I believe either or is a possibility. And I think at the point that people commit suicide, they really don't think there's any a other possibility. Life is possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it sounds like your friend made a choice based on the fact that he didn't feel like there was any other possibility that could give him a happy, fulfilled life anymore. Well, well I, which I guess would be a choice, but still in my mind, it's like they don't. If they understood really they did have a choice or believed there was a possibility of the other side of that coin. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Maybe. majority of people who commit suicide, the majority, are feeling, you know, don't have any faith that there is a choice that could have a different outcome. Right. And don't feel like they have any point in their life. This is the place that I either have control I mean, I can yes. control this. I can yes. stop this yes. madness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, there is nothing else for me to do. And I agree with you from everything I've read and everything I've heard related to, you know, to people who attempt suicide uh-huh. but then live and are able to talk about and share where they were emotionally in that, in that what is it. Um, I agree. It's like in that in that moment or on that day or in that hour, that sense of um, this is my only way out. Right. There is nothing else for me and out of desperation. I, I agree that even when people, from what I've read and what I've heard and pe- what people have told me who have attempted suicide in the past, you know, it's, it's not even that, even if they've been planning or researching possible <laughs> ways to do it. I love it, researching, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is done, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, how can I do this? What? It's not like they were planning, I'm researching how to do this on October 15th, three months from now. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's like I'm compelled to have this information so I have that option, but in the moment they actually do it, they didn't know they were going to do it then. They just knew, now I know how to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't planned. I'll do the research, mm-hmm. but I have, and it looks like it's planned. Well, they got all their affairs in order, or they wrote the suicide note, or they, you know, were on the computer looking for these information about this process for the last three months. That didn't mean they were committed to actually doing it. You're right, and the planning of it and the idea of it is not the same as doing and it. It's not the, and, and it's soothing to those of us who have suicide as an option. Should I plug my book now? Should people go purchase my book? What's the title of my book? What is the title of your book? <laughs> it's, a, it's The Courage to Kill Myself, One Person's Journey Towards can you imagine naming a book The Courage to Kill Myself? But it's my memoir. It's my life story. And I live in the end. That's important to point out. But, you know, it it has been soothing to me over the years to think about or to plan about or to visualize the car going over the bridge. And, you know, that is very soothing to me. And that is just but um, now I'm not so scared so much of the Catholic idea that I'm going to go to hell. 
now I really am cemented in this belief system that, you know, this is a game, the game of life. And that, you know, I chose my parameters of my game coming in and I'm really curious how the game ends. You know, I have too much curiosity, too much interest. Suicide to me now, for me, seems like, oh, that's just too simple. I want the PhD level. You know, I'm going to stay in all the way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, this, this, this darkness or this depression or this anxiety or this whatever it is that seems so overwhelming. You know, it's grist for the meal now. It's more interesting to me than, than devastating. Overwhelming, yeah. Right, right. It's more of a, I'm an observer more and more of it than I am a participant, which makes it a little bit more tolerable, I suppose. But it is, um, you know, it's a it's a horrific thing, I think, to so quote unquote be left behind. Um, not too terribly long ago, um, there was a famous person that committed suicide, and um, I heard on CNN this psychiatrist being interviewed who basically said that uh, loved ones could prevent their loved one from committing suicide, which made me want to crawl No, and strangle, <laughs> and just, like, hurt him. Uh-huh, and that is uh, such a terrible message and such an untrue message. And um, I remember years ago, Reverend uh, Petra at uh, Center for Spiritual Living Dallas did a uh, funeral for a man that was really well-loved in the community, that had committed suicide, and she said the most amazing thing that I thought, well, isn't that a, a fabulous frame for it, that we should really be grateful to him that he held on as long as he did, that he fought the fight of mental illness as long as he did, that he stayed around and we got to know him. And it's an interesting shift of thinking that, you know, the person that commits suicide, obviously, you know, they don't wake up one day and that's really the choice. So that they're using that word choice again, or, you know, they take that action, that's something that really is indicative or, you know, telling of a long-term, you know, something not well, not balanced within the human mind and the human emotion. So to uh, to those who do it, you know, there is probably been a long time that they've stayed, quote-unquote, for those they love, or they've stayed because they didn't want to hurt their children, or you know, and so um, to sort of honor that side of them and to see the courage that it took to stay alive as long as it did was an interesting kind of flip. Yeah, that, that is, and that that is something to remember that, um, you know, Yes, I, suicide is a reflection of pain, yes, yes. but it is not a reflection of weakness. Yes, see, that's, that's so important, yes. And, uh, yeah, so how so often um, people may have attempted suicide multiple times or may have been thinking about it in their mind as their best option for years. Years, yes. And uh, when it actually occurs, um, you know, to to focus instead on all that was given and all that was um, experienced before the event itself, right, is it, it, really powerful. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about quote unquote those who are left behind because uh, in any death in any death of the human form, uh, those who are left behind grieve and are sorry and, you know, are thinking about what did I say, what was our last conversation, or yes. what did we do together right. the last right. time, and, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't get to say goodbye. And mm-hmm. it's a very um, tumultuous, emotional time anyway. And then Add that layer, that right, that one additional layer of this person took his or her own life, um, the guilt that so many people have, you know, how did I miss the sign? If I had, could yeah, I, could I Right, could I have prevented this? Should I have prevented right. this? Why didn't I know what to do or say? Or... In a case where it is someone who has been troubled for a really long time and that person maybe did 
you know, knows Say that, out loud. you know, and they, you know, or the, the person who's left behind actually knows there have been times in the past where they talked this person down or they knew, mm-hmm. you know, and they feel they didn't do enough. Right. You know, it's like that taking responsibility for someone else's ultimate choice. Action. We're going to use the word action to choice. Thank you. <laughs> um, is, is hard for the person left behind. I mean, and, and isn't that interesting? I'm just listening to the language, too. I, mean, I love okay. action instead of choice. Uh-huh. But this whole phrase that is so commonly used, the person or the people who are left behind. <laughs> It's like, no. <laughs> Energetically left behind, no. Physically in the human state left behind, yes. And I think also the idea that, you know, yes, I talked him off the ledge that time. That's really interesting when you said that. I thought, you know, <clears throat> being a therapist, I've had several clients that are suicidal and several that I really thought, well, that, you know, this may, they may, you know, that may be it. And you, you put out that um, suicide contract, right? I promise not to kill myself. Without calling you by accident or on purpose without getting to receive first. And, you know, and they walk out the door and you're like, what does that really mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. But it, sometimes, you know, it does work. Sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, to really get to that point of accepting that at the end of the day there's nothing anyone can do, you know, no matter how quote-unquote trained I am or quote-unquote, you know, if I'm, you know, how, if it's a personal friend or a family member, what my relationship is, you know, there's just nothing in that 11th hour moment that can shift it ultimately. And, you know, I think then it comes back to what is my belief about that person who did kill themselves because I do know some people that had a friend or a family member die or commit suicide, and they have the Catholic belief. So now they're tormented with the idea that their loved one is in hell or purgatory or this worse, you know. So that just sort of exponentially makes it worse. I think we all need to agree that there is no hell. I think we, it would just be such a happier life if we could just accept and believe. And it's really interesting to talk about an extreme opposite of that. I had lunch with a woman last week whose daughter is uh, an active alcoholic. Um, uh, son had died of alcoholism. And, um, you know, she's watching her daughter sort of slowly commit suicide. And her feeling is, and she has such a deep-seated metaphysical belief in the idea of it's, you know, it's okay, that she's really like, you know, just take a gun. Wouldn't it be easier than to drink yourself over the course of 10 years and not have all these horrible things happen to you? Just take a gun and be done. And I was like, that's your child. (laughs) And it was so interesting. And I thought, well, isn't that, that is a rock-solid belief that this experience is just on a continuum of a continuum of a continuum and it's just a speck in the sand of the continuum, and it's no more meaningful of any other continuum. And, I mean, you know, if you really rock, you know, really believe that, then you can say something like, well, just take a gun. Right. And, not, and, and not, not mean it. Mean spirit in or, yeah, just, yeah. It was, it, was, it was a startling conversation, but then I thought, man, I wish I had that rock-solid kind of belief of what I believe. Of course, wow. that means I would be dead because... Uh, yeah, but anyway. Well, not now. Back in the day, if I had, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, now it's it's, it's a game. Curiosity. Yes, right. love, yes, yes. It's really true. It's really true. My sister hates that when I say it's a game of life. Life is doesn't, a game. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's all a game. Have you ever thought about committing suicide, Tracy Brown? Has that ever been an option in your mind? A way out? I'm having to think, so it must be no. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think you would have a clearer memory of that had been an option. It might have been a bigger deal. Right, I'm having to think too hard about, like, how serious was I considering it? I mean, you know, I have had the the thought of, of 
could I do that? And I have had the the thought, but really the passing thought more so than the the planning. Right. Mm-hmm. The thought of you know if this doesn't get any better. Mm-hmm. I should just kill myself because of, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But the reality of truly being at that point of yeah. considering it as a serious option, right. no, I, I haven't. And I think part of that um, is not because I'm, like, so healthy, <laughs> mentally healthy. Um, I think a part of that is because I... I've died twice, right? So I've had the experience of my body dying and me coming back into it. Making that choice. I think that's more of a choice in the other way. And and so, yeah, I I think that has more to do with it than anything else. Mm -hmm. Even though in my, there was a time in my, late teens or really, I guess, early 20s. I was out of college. And um, and at that point, I had not had the memory, the realization. I didn't have the memory of having the near-death experience so clearly. Oh. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I could never do that because, one, it would be like, way too messy, and I couldn't, and I grew up, you know, thinking shooting or uh-huh. driving off a cliff or, you know, it's like, uh-huh. oh, no, that's like, wait, no, way too messy. Uh-huh. And um, and then, you know, the idea of taking lots of pills, uh-huh. well, I could, couldn't swallow pills probably till I was <laughs> 30. I really learned how. When I was a kid, if the doctor prescribed pills, like we actually had to like cut them or crush oh, them, uh-huh. uh, I couldn't swallow pills. Uh-huh. And so it was like, yeah, take a bottle of pills. That's not happening. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you just had no viable options. <laughs> how? Exactly. Right? So it was God, like, you know, and it was less about upsetting other people. It was more like, well, I'm not shooting myself. Blood all over everywhere? Am I, no, that's not happening. Driving, you know, into, into was a it like wall. Was what, what they would think if they saw you all bloodied up? Is that? No, it was just, <laughs> You know, it wasn't like I didn't have any logic of you'll be dead. It won't know, matter. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It would be like, like that's not how I do things, or you know that wouldn't be me here. So and then, but later, by the time I was, you know, in my thirties, forties, and beyond, I had, I actually had had full memory of the the time, the first time I died, and the second time that I died, and um, and so yeah, now I think. I, you know, I I don't think it I could go there because I've already had the experience. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't end my right. life. Right, right, right. I, you know, it doesn't end my life totally, and um, and so I don't know. Maybe at a another phase, maybe ten years from now, you know, then maybe I could be in that place of because I know it doesn't end my life. I can do this because I don't need to struggle like this. Yeah, see, I think in a strange way, the, the, the sort of, what do you call that, the metaphysical belief system about suicide, almost makes it an easier option. You know, it takes away the, the, the you know, it doesn't take away the sadness for those, quote, unquote, left behind, but it takes away any kind of self-pondering in terms of what will this mean to the eternity of my soul. And um, And it's a, yeah. It's a curious, curious thing. And the idea of um, being in that dark space, it, I am fascinated. I have discovered, I think, over the course of doing therapy for so many years, is that it does seem like, I, why I asked you that question, it does seem like most people either have it sort of as an option that they kind of talk and feel about, or they just don't have it. It just doesn't, it's like not in their sphere. Like things could just get as horrible. And I've even heard interviews with, uh, you know, parents whose children have committed suicide. And the interviewer, or I mean, the 
parents of kids who died just randomly for whatever reason, and the interviewer would ask the parent something like, you know, well, you thought about killing yourself, and some would say yes and some would say no. So it seems to be sort of a mechanism within each individual mind if that is even an option, and that some people can have the most horrific human experience occur, and it doesn't even flip a switch of having that as an option in their mind. And I've always been kind of curious as to why why that is. I don't know. I've never gotten, maybe it is a spiritual belief for them, but I do think, you know, people handle darkness or emotional difficulty differently. And um, it's sort of our coping skills and how we use our coping skills kind of define whether or not suicide is really an option. And people that don't have it as an option find sometimes find it very unsettling. <laughs> Those of us who have it as an option, you think, that's just very strange. Very mm-hmm. strange. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Casey Brown. Thank I, you. I just couldn't let that Add pass. that to the list of very strange things. Very strange things. Yeah, I just couldn't pass that. Yeah, it was too the, much the of a junior was way too kind easy. of, yeah. Lobbed <laughs> that song yeah, off. I, I think we have. Yeah, we, we have options. And, um, and it's hard to separate your options when they have impact on me. Yes. So two things came up when you were making those comments for me. One was the interesting idea, because we talk about the four kingdoms of consciousness Uh so regularly on this show, and that in, you know, kingdom one consciousness, that sense of, of life is being done to me, I'm a victim of all of these people or all of these events or all of these things. And in Kingdom 2, that uh, it's a manifestation kingdom that I take responsibility for my life and I'm making choices. And so it is really interesting how the act of suicide can look exactly the same. Oh, yeah. And one person is doing it from kingdom one consciousness. My life is terrible. All these bad things have happened, and there's nothing I can do about it but in my life. And someone else could do it from kingdom two consciousness of there's a lot that is going on in the world, and my choice... My action. My (laughs) action is to take responsibility for ending this experience in this way. And um, and so it, it's like we can never know whether someone was acting Very from true. kingdom one uh-huh. or kingdom two. And as you're saying that, it's really interesting. It goes back to my initial question in the connect the dots because kingdom three is, you know, God's going through me from the outside, the conduit going through me, and then kingdom four, God as me, coming up through me. And as you were saying that, I thought, you know, I just, I get a sense that if I'm coming out of a kingdom three or four that I would not commit suicide, that that wouldn't, that, that the human action of suicide wouldn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And so there in that question of earlier about the breath of God, if I'm fully connected, fully aware, fully in remembrance of, I don't think suicide would be the thing that I would turn to because I would have a greater sense of something else occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, that that makes sense, that all of these things are going on around me, and if I'm in Kingdom 3, my faith, and my understanding of spirit is that there is an answer that is going to right. that's going to happen, not out necessarily outside of me, but I will know what to do. Yes. This can't be bigger than God, and I and, and there will be some intuition or some shift right. that is grace and. Um, and, yeah, and I can't wait to see what that is. Okay. I, I just can't wait to see what that is um, and how it manifests in my life. And, yeah, if I'm in Kingdom 4, it's 
you know, it it may be it may be the wording may come out sounding like it's I'm a martyr that, you know, uh-huh. I am mm-hmm. here to show what God would do and, you know, this is human suffering but you know, and start naming all the people in the world who have quote unquote suffered but been an example of the greatest love. Right. You know, and um, and that in human language that may sound like, oh, this person's being a martyr, but in reality they simply are wherever I am, God is. Right. And I, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Buddha do? What would God do in this scenario? That is who I am. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the it, it would be less of an action that would... Um, be done in Kingdom 3 or 4, but when done, we don't know. We can't know. Right. I mean, we might, depending on if the person wrote a suicide note to give this and yeah. explained, but even then often we will discount that mm-hmm. and put mm-hmm. them in Kingdom 1. They were a victim, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I should have saved them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or how could I not know? Right. And then we turn the mirror on ourselves, which actually, you know, I don't think that's necessarily unhealthy because who's here now? Myself. <laughs> I am I am the one who is still here, and this is an experience of my life that I now have to process and incorporate in my total life experience. So much of what we do in our lives is a quote-unquote reaction to what someone else has done. And how does it make me more <clears throat> conscious? And, you know, again, I, I really don't believe anybody can quote-unquote save somebody from suicide, but I think we can save each other from a lot of heartache or a lot of, you know, missed time in terms of if we reach out and speak the truth or reach out and, you know, make that random comment to the stranger at Seven Eleven. I just think there's just endless opportunities to be God-expressing. And this has nothing to do with the topic, but I just have the most interesting story that I just must share because it's just so fascinating to me on so many different levels. So I'm going to because I can. But, but no, it does kind of come back to this idea, though, of who's in our life. I have a, a little part-time job that uh, I've had for several years where I walk dogs. And I have some new little family that I'm walking their dogs, and they happen to be an incredibly wealthy family. And I've noticed, I've been walking them about three weeks now, and it's, it's starting to be school time. And so the kids, they're about probably eight or nine years old, two little kids, cute, cute, cute. And I've seen them sort of in the house, there's a lot of glass. So when I come up in the, in the daytime before this experience, I've seen them, but, you know, just from afar, kind of playing or something. So yesterday I was coming up, and, and it was a school day, and they happened to be at the breakfast table eating their cereal, facing out the window. And I was probably 20 feet from them because the window was right there where I parked my car. And I got out of the car and I just waved real big. And they just continued eating their cereal. And I thought, is it just like a one-way blast? Or and then I waved real big again. And they're dead on staring at me. And they're making no connection. And I noticed the mother's like getting stuff out of the refrigerator. And it's obvious that she can see me, but... The, and I thought, well, that is so interesting. And when I was walking the dogs. Their dogs. Their dogs, yeah, yeah. Then I go into the side room, the mud room, and get the dogs. And so I go in and get the dogs. And uh, while I'm walking the dogs, I thought, you know, those kids have had servants. What do you call them? You know, mm-hmm. what do you call them now? Well, you know, people helping them, you know, nannies, butlers, people, you know, cooking for them that they don't associate those people as people that you would wave to or be interested to see. And I thought, that is fascinating. It's like, I don't really exist to them. And I thought, wow. And I thought, you know, how much, how do I do that? Who doesn't exist for me? And then when you think about, you know, what if I had been really down that day? Or what if I would really been in a dark space? And what if your self-esteem was, really, yeah. was tied up uh-huh. and being acknowledged? Uh-huh. And then, I mean, that could be a pivot. You know, again, it wouldn't have been responsible for me killing myself. But, you know, the ripple effect 
you know, I guess it has to be both and. I, I just don't believe anyone's responsible. But I do believe that my actions can swing someone towards positive mental health or positive spiritual reminders. Um, and if, if, you know, if I miss those little moments of random opportunities, you know, depending on how, what the state of mind of the other person, it can be pretty interesting. Okay, so I'm with you all the way on that, but I do have to back up just a little bit. And so you waved, and they clearly didn't acknowledge you, and you uh-huh. waved again uh-huh. and smiled, uh-huh. and they didn't acknowledge you. Uh-huh. And and then as you're walking the dogs, you have the insight. So uh-huh. at that moment, I wanted to interrupt you and say, <laughs> welcome Ooh. to the honorary world of being black. <laughs> I wondered about that. That's, is that, that's. That's a little tiny itty bitty slice of that, huh? Yes, an itty bitty tiny slice of wow. but that's what it's like mm-hmm. that people will you know they see you <laughs> but they don't <laughs> see you and don't There's no need to acknowledge exactly. There's you no... don't really huh. ex- exist wow. no matter how wonderful you are or what wow. you're doing, that helps them. Happens a lot in the workplace where young black professionals are shocked because, especially, you know, think about it this day and age. So you got somebody who's 30 versus 50 or 60 or 70. You got somebody who's late 20s, early 30s, and they've gone to integrated schools. They've been middle class their entire life. They go to college and then they get in the workplace and and people who are in leadership positions in their mind don't see someone with their color skin as a potential peer, a potential someone they should move up in the organization or take an interest in. And and they have that experience like all the time. They'll speak up in a meeting and they won't be heard. Wow. They'll make a suggestion and it won't be heard. And then, you know, ten minutes later... A white male will make the suggestion, <laughs> and whether the boss is male or female will be uh-huh. like, that's a great idea, John. And, you know, and it'll be like, I just said that like 10 minutes ago. Literally, John just repeated what I said without saying Tracy said this. And, and you've experienced that the way you're saying it, I'm thinking. Oh, well, no, I've experienced it, but I wasn't shocked by it because yeah. I grew up in the civil rights movement, right. and I grew up knowing that. Respect was not an automatic thing that, and definitely, you know, visibility was not an automatic thing. And so you just learn to deal with it and to, you know, you knew you had to have alternate methods and you knew what you had to do. And you knew if, if you really wanted to, you know, have a promotion or if you really, in the social setting, if you really wanted to be seen for who you were, that, okay, I, I've got to make you see me, and sometimes that might mean I'm um, loud and pushy if I, ha- if I have to be, and sometimes that just means I'm persistent, mm-hmm. and sometimes that means I find my allies. It always means I find my allies mm-hmm. and, and partner with them or use them. But the generation here in their 20s and 30s now don't have that context. And to a larger degree, their parents have tried to protect them from that. But, you know, and the society says it's, we're not that way anymore, right? And okay. so they're, you know, they're fully prepared. They have the education, they have, you know, but then they don't get seen. Um, and if you don't have a sense of self-worth or a sense of community or a sense of spirituality or a sense of connection... You know, over time, that would be incredibly wearing on one's soul and spirit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and it's it's sad that it is still so prevalent, but it's not just race. I mean, you know, when we think about a few years ago, the big campaign for um, LGBT teens that was focused on it gets better. Don't and, kill yourself. You know, right, don't here. kill yourself, it gets better. Uh, because such a, a huge proportion of teens who were committing suicide were committing suicide because they felt being gay was just not, you know, their life might as well be over. Right. Either they were being threatened or bullied or they simply were just not 
being, you know, they were seeing that this is going to, life is going to be so amazingly difficult. I cannot even imagine how I could navigate this. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and so that whole lovely, very powerful series of people in corporations and organizations and associations all over uh-huh. doing, you know, two-minute and three-minute videos to say, no, it gets better. I was where you are, and now, you know, at 35 or 55 or at 70, you know, I am here to tell you, right. you do deserve to be seen, to be recognized, to be valued. You are unique, and we need you in the world. Um, and so, you know, what do we do to stop or to prevent or to slow down the rate of suicide? I mean, I think that was one of the most powerful examples in that modern message. times, yeah. in contemporary modern times, to say, no, you know, you don't have to take that action. Mm-hmm. You really don't. Um, you know, people bullied me too. I didn't understand my how why why I was the one who was different. Right. But now I'm in a relationship that I've been in for 10 years and I have a good job and uh, I'm respected at work. You know, that's what my mother said, that I would never get a good job because I was a lesbian. Isn't that a fascinating thing? I just always thought that was fascinating. Enough <laughs> about me. But, you know, therein lies an interesting ponder because I've been saying all this whole time that, you know, nobody can prevent someone else from committing suicide. But I do think through that education, through that kind of shoring up mental health or spiritual well-being or spiritual connection, the trajectory of someone going towards that can be shifted. And, it, you know, it can kind of like um, back in the day, we used to think alcoholics or addicts had to go all the way to the bottom. You know, they had to lose their job, lose their wife, lose their house, live in a box underneath the freeway. And then we figured out, oh, no, we can have interventions. We can, you know, treat them. We can, you know, talk to them. We can educate them when they're in elementary school about the addiction process. And we can kind of make a bridge over from when they're starting to go down that bell curve towards the bottom, and we can bridge them over to recovery. And I would imagine that a similar kind of thing could happen with suicide or, you know, that depth of emotional discomfort. But if we educate people and get them kind of infused with this um, sense of, you know, possibility and sense of big picture, when in the jail will always say, play the tape all the way out, you know, that this moment is not the end moment kind of thing. And we know that... Suicide prevention lines make a difference. Yeah. I mean, we know that. In that moment, yeah. We know that, um, as you described, a kind word or someone looking you in your eye and really seeing you as a person can make a difference mm-hmm. in, in today, in this moment. Right what I am feeling or what I believe about myself and the world. Um, And it doesn't mean it will prevent everyone, every every example or every every, um, individual taking that action, moving in that direction. So... um, what does saying yes to spirit have to do with all of this? You know, I, I think it goes back to that idea of, you know, living in the third or the fourth kingdom. And if I'm there, I'm not going to get to that. That's not going to be an option. I'm really pondering that, but I think that is true. I think when I'm there, the picture of my scope of what I see is so broad and so deep and so meaningful. Because, you know, obviously, when I, if I'm going to commit suicide, I've lost my sense of meaning. So if I'm in Kingdom 3 or Kingdom 4, if I'm saying yes to Spirit, if I'm in that remembrance, if I'm in that space, then there's nothing but meaning. Even to the, you know, having the car wreck and, you know, maybe losing the job or something happening with the family member, you know, there's still an infusion of this is meaningful, this is 
pushing me towards the next highest good. You know, this was some prior agreement to my spirit needs to be able to go to that next level. That there's some explanation around that and that, you know, saying yes to spirit every day. I, I always love the idea that my sponsor now and on told me 30 years ago, you know, every day I meditate, every day I pray, every time I read the Bible or read some sacred text or, you know, do something spiritual every day. It's like putting money in an emotional, spiritual bank. And so when I face those, you know, swells of human difficulty, I have all that money in my emotional bank and I can take out, you know, $100,000 when something really dramatic happens and I don't feel desperate because I have, you know, $2 million in my account because I've been saying yes to spirit every day. So even when this huge thing happens, my fallback is, oh, I can see this is going to work out somehow, some way that I don't know now. So I think saying yes to spirit every day, doing something every moment, you know, every day, staying in the moment of spirit all the time, you know, can be kind of like the ultimate suicide plan, suicide prevention plan. I agree with you um, completely. And I'm, I guess I'm feeling a little bit of a need to say, if there is someone who found this show and is listening to it because they are seriously considering suicide, yes. that we want you to actually call 1-800-273-8255. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you or if say that number again, or if someone you know right. says to you they are considering suicide, please call the toll-free number eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. It's eight hundred two seven three talk. Oh, that's cute. Because. Um, we're having a conversation about it, and what does it mean to say yes to spirit? And if there's someone who is considering in that dark space, um, the support is available to you. Leslie and I aren't available; may not be available to you. you don't have our number, but you have this number: one eight hundred two seven three talk. Toll free, twenty four hours a day. I feel I need to give my number. Don't do it, Leslie. I'm kidding. <laughs> like anybody would call. And that's so funny. You would be so you yeah. would be so yeah. surprised. Yeah. And your book actually is really helpful for people who are feeling stressed and so um plus the book again. True. Courage to kill myself. Available on Amazon.com, yes. Courage to Kill Myself. And there's a way to get a hold of me in the book, so there you go. Send 10 bucks, okay. and then you can get a hold of me. Right? <laughs> I love it. Way to market, Leslie. <laughs> and that's all the time we have to talk about suicide on Say Yes to Spirit, but please join us, and please look at the archive and see what other 200 topics <laughs> might draw your attention um, we hope that we that our commitment to say yes to spirit inspires your commitment to say, say yes, yes to, to spirit. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.